Stand firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Welcome to another week of Spirit Katana. I'm your host, the old man. I'm Ruby. I'm Rosella. I'm Jadefire. And I'm Big Mama. Well, welcome back, everybody. Uh, hope that your week has been treating you well and not too much chaos going on. Yes. Yes, there's been plenty of candy lately. Was there a pun hidden in there? Treating you well. Oh. I, I, not, I read that as a pun. I did not intend for it to be a pun. I just, I am so f- filled with puns that they just ooze out unexpectedly. Stop oozing. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, how are people's applications going? I forgot my, what my application was. That's a good sign. That's was a good it, sign. Was it mine not arguing? I think so. How about you, Ruby? How's your application going? Do you remember it? I don't think I've had much chance to apply it. What was it? That you can tell people things, but you can't enforce it. Uh-huh. I don't know. Have you guys seen a chance that I've failed? <laughs> I can't think of it. Me neither. Mm-hmm. How about you, Big Mama? Um, I don't know. I don't feel like I've cared as much about what people think about me, so that's good. It's funny because, like, to really not care about what people think, you don't think about it, you know? (laughs) Right, right. And I haven't really thought about it much, so that's a good sign. Yeah, I would say that I have had an improvement on not putting too much overthought into other people's opinions. It has not been a um, stressor for me as much of late. Well, that's really good to hear. Yeah, the only time I would think of is when I could apply my application is when I help with basics in school. And I mean, I don't think I've been doing anything wrong there. but Like helping them learn and stuff, but not like trying to be mean and force it or whatever. That's the only time I can think of, and I think I'm doing good, so hopefully. (laughs) Yeah, I think, was it last week that I kind of had like a hodgepodge of stuff that I was thinking and and wrestling with? That was the week before, I thought. Oh, was it the week before? Seems like I always remember our application from two weeks ago. What's up with that? I don't know. Takes a while for it to set in, I guess. I guess so. Next week I'll remember what it was last week. Yeah, probably. I definitely have been experiencing, you know, growth and stuff for sure. And just um, not being anxious on things. And um, just being better about studying the word even. And pulling things out of what he's written there. And what should be applied to me. Um... I know with other Bible studies and stuff, too, just the ideas of um, not having so strict a line or stance on issues that aren't salvation-related, that it keeps people at bay, and you just can't mingle with them, right? Like, there should be that that whole unity, one mind, one spirit, but, like, we don't have to agree on everything, necessarily, but Mm -hmm. just Just the important things. Yeah, just the gospel. And actually believe it, like, which means acting upon that belief. Yeah. 
Yeah, I just thought of a couple of circumstances in the last week that would have been more stressful if I was concerned about how I'm coming off to people. I just didn't really care. (laughs) (laughs) I cared about um, addressing the people that actually needed to be addressed, but not how that looked to other people who it really doesn't matter to. Well, that's good. All right. Well, this week I know uh, Rosella has some catching up to do, so we'll be starting with some notes on her sections. I think we're starting at the top of chapter 11 of Matthew. Messages from John the Baptist. All right. No matter what, we can follow him. All right. Well, you you are right that we should be able to follow him. Like, nobody can really stop us. That's true. Yep. We can't be stopped. Like, they could even tell us not to pray or whatever, but guess what? You don't have to bow your head and fold your hands and close your eyes to pray. They can't police your mind. You can always be praying, whether it's out loud or not. Yep. Alright. Do you have other sections on chapter 11? Woe to unrepentant cities. Okay. Um, I wrote, always repent. Well, yeah, that's a good thing to do. What happens if we don't repent? Um, well, at the end of time, you would go to hell, sort of, I think. No? It's just sort of. <laughs> You're only going to sort of go to hell. Dip your toes in the flames? Burn your toes off. I think the whole whole of you will experience hell. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah, because he warns them that if they're not repentant, it's going to be even worse for them than it was for other towns that weren't repentant, because they have him. They have more information and signs. <laughs> yep. You don't want to be like Sodom and Gomorrah. Who's Sodom and Gomorrah? Two the towns. City. That... You remember when, in the Old Testament, when Lot, Abraham's nephew, was supposed to be leaving the city? And he's like, well, at least let me take my... Well, is it his daughter and his wife? Is that it? At least a wife. Yeah, but there was but there was a couple. Anyways, the angels went and took him out of the city and basically grabbed his hands and dragged him out of the city because he kept trying to like bring more people and more stuff with him. And it was completely destroyed by fire. And they found the remains of Sodom and Gomorrah, I think. And the remains that they have dug up have show signs of being scorched at an insanely hot temperature that just burned things like no fire ever would. And the only thing that they can fathom that would burn something so hot and completely all at once like that is if a meteorite was flying towards Earth and it exploded at a certain height above the ground, causing everything to incinerate instantly. That's how bad it is when they found the... um, remains of that city. So it was bad. Everyone was incinerated. Alright, well, moving on to your next heading, Rosella. Come to me and I will give you rest. What I wrote, other people can know you, but I wrote, the dad knows you the best, pretty much. The dad? Yeah, it talks about how no one knows the father except the son. No one, no one knows the son except the father. I like that. But who is the dad? I'm pretty sure God. Yeah, it is. Yay. So what you're really saying is no one knows you better than God? Yes. Because <laughs> I, I might not be the one that knows you best. I Big might Mama know you might better. know you better. 
Alright, well, let's move on to chapter 12, where I think uh, Ruby has some stuff. So, Ruby, you can start us off. Yes, I'm a person and I'm here. Okay, mine is Jesus, Lord over the Sabbath. Um, And that what I learned about God is that he is, like, truly Lord over the Sabbath. Like, um, the Pharisees are trying to tell him off, like, your disciples are harvesting grain. Also, like... Harvesting grain by taking a couple handfuls while you're walking? I, I don't understand that. But, um, I mean, well, I'm walking around the road. I pick grass or something. It's natural. Cows. Um, but, like, how he's to ask them, haven't you heard what David did when him, he was hungry? And uh, I don't remember what else there was in there, but, like, it's just, he's just talking about how he, but he just basically proves to them that, He's Lord over the Sabbath, and he can do anything he wants. Including break the Old Testament laws? I guess he can. Wait, Old Testament laws, are, do those matter anymore? Jesus is still alive. He hasn't been resurrected yet, so the New Covenant hasn't been established. So the Old Testament still applies? Yep. Okay, well, he doesn't have to obey the Pharisees' interpretation of the old laws. He's got the, he's got the perfect interpretation. <laughs> yes, because yes, the Old Testament laws do not say that you can't grab handfuls of grain, correct? Right. Because, I mean, like, when the stuff grow, the weeds or whatever grow tall besides the road when we go for walks in the summer or whatever, I might just, like, hold it and then, like, hold it while I'm walking and then it just kind of plucks off into my hand. You know, like, I mean, it's not work. It's just natural, like, to pick things. Yeah, it's silly because, like, the idea is when you harvest grain, you harvest it so that you can get the food out of it and everything and sell it or keep it for yourself or whatever you need to do with it. Um, So that means if you grab any for food, then you're harvesting it. But it's not actually work. You're just feeding. It's like saying, well, I picked up my fork to shove the food in my mouth is work. (laughs) Hey, you're disobeying the Sabbath. You must have to fast on Sabbath. I'm pretty sure there's actual laws... um written out in the old testament too about what you can and can't take from others fields and like if you are walking by you're allowed to grab a handful of their grain but you can't harvest their grain like i would assume that those standards are what they also apply i'm not super well versed in the harvesting of grain on the sabbath in the old testament but you should be in matters today but i'm pretty sure there are rules for um sojourners going through other people's fields yeah for sure um all right rosella what do you have for jesus is lord of the sabbath oh my heading is exactly that so cool you can do good on the sabbath yeah you can do good on the sabbath it's not work it's just doing good yeah sometimes doing good can be work but yeah, for example, if you are trained and went to school to become a doctor and even have a job as a doctor, but maybe you're not working that day and somebody needs some kind of medical intervention from a doctor that you can do on the scene, do you help even though it's the Sabbath? Yes. Absolutely. <laughs> even though it is your job, it does not forbid you from doing that job to save somebody's life. <laughs> I don't remember which verse it was, but it was in Luke 6. Um, Jesus asked them, I ask you, is it lawful on the Sabbath to do good or to do, do to do harm, to save life or to destroy it? Yep. Familiar with Luke 6, are you? Yes. 
<laughs> Some of the verses. Are you memorizing it or something? Only the first 19 verses. One through oh, 19. <laughs> well, I don't mean it like that, but I mean, like, there's still plenty of chapter sheets. All right. Doesn't have any... Do you have a uh, God's Chosen Servant heading? Who are you talking to? The servant of the Lord. God's Chosen Servant. Yeah, yeah Rizzo. Uh, I think I... My next one is Jesus Frees a Demonized Man. Good. Yeah, I have it. Alright, what do you got for that then? God will help us. Oh, because he healed all who real? Yes, yes, he will help us. Um, okay, well, I think that covers everything that catches you guys up to where others of us are. So, Jade Fire, what's your next section? Jesus and Beelzebub. Beelzebub. Yours says Beelzebub? B E E L Z E B U B. Yeah, mine ends up with is is the exact same spelling as it ends in L. Beelzebub. Yeah, mine too. Weird. Jesus Christ, a demonized man. Words. Blasphemy. Right. That blasphemy. Blasphemy. Blasphemy is somewhat like Beelzebub. Oh. Wait. Beelzebub. I just did God's truth. Oh, Google is there another one in there? So she is. Jesus is Lord over the, Lord of the Sabbath, and then a man with a withered hand. Oh, sorry, him. we skipped a section of, of Rosella's. So between the Sabbath and the Chosen Servant, what's your note there? I'm getting confused with my notes now. Maybe that's Thanks. where the help people came from then, because he helps the withered Maybe hand. Maybe and then to the Lord of the Sabbath, I wrote. You do not work on the Sabbath, uh, but you still can eat. All right, so you had given us the um, healing on the Sabbath is doing good on the Sabbath. Is that where that note belongs? Uh-huh. You could, where you said you can do good on the Sabbath was when you were talking about the healing on the Sabbath. And so then for Jesus is Lord of the Sabbath, your note is... You can eat on the Sabbath. We can eat on the Sabbath? You do not work, but you can still eat. Gotcha. All right, so Jade Fire. Jesus and Beelzebub, or Beelzebub. We'll just call him Bubble. Bubble. I like it. <laughs> uh, my note is, what does God want your life to look like? Oh yeah, to be like your, uh, to be like the good tree. Um, to bear good fruit, like do good works. What are good works? Uh, reading the Bible uh, every day. Uh, I saw a video recently of a guy on Facebook who read through the whole Bible in like six months. He was not bearing any good fruit, I can tell you that. So do you really think that reading the Bible is a good fruit? I guess not. Because you can read the Bible and still not worship God at all. I was was going to continue. (laughs) Good fruits are like... uh, Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Yes, so you can do those while doing all sorts of stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And you cannot do those while doing all sorts of stuff, right? So you can read the Bible without showing any love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, or self-control, correct? Correct. I used to think that was so long, and now I'm just like... Blah, blah, blah. Or you can go shopping at the store with all of those things, right? So it's not so much what you're doing, but how you're doing it, right? Mm-hmm. All right. Big Mama, what do you got for this? So in Romans uh, 10, 9, and 10, 
If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. One believes with the heart, resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with the mouth, resulting in salvation. Um, so it's talking here in Matthew a lot about the words. By your words you will be acquitted, and by your words you will be condemned. And the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. Um, so it's important for us to believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord, but it's also important for us to say it if we have the ability to do so. Um, and I think it's very helpful to remember that if those two things from Romans are true, if you believe in your heart and if you confess with your mouth, then you will be saved because sometimes it can be easy to doubt your own salvation or to think that maybe you aren't really saved or you don't really have security in Christ. Um, but if you know that you're believing it with your heart and with, with whatever measure God has given you to believe, and if you are declaring that with your mouth, and at least trying to show that with your actions throughout your life, then that's your security. And when I say trying, I mean we are going to fail. We're going to fail a lot. It doesn't say that we're going to figure it out right away. <laughs> but it all comes down to, do you believe it with your heart? And do you believe it enough that you're willing to say it from your mouth? And if those two are true, then keep fighting the good fight. All right. So for this section, I highlighted verse... 25, which is funny now that I think about it because I was just talking about, you know, uni unity and stuff earlier. Um, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, Every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. And I think this is, um, well, it, it works on so many different levels because, of course, it's God's word and it does. But, um, so, like, for one, it can definitely speak to a family, right? You should be, yeah, as a family, just the more united you are, the more functional and better things will flow and be at peace, right? Otherwise, it'll fall apart if you're divided, especially uh, the parents. <laughs> that can cause a lot of roughness if they're not united. Um, but I think it's definitely good for the church, and it's just, it's, I don't know why it's been weighing on me so much more just because I keep running into the verses or whatever it is, but just like the fact that our church, especially here at least, uh, is so divided with so many different denominations because everybody's so stubbornly clinging to all these different ideas that separate them from the other denominations whereas like some of it is gospel issue so like i'm that makes sense right but there's so many that it just does not make any sense to me that like and like some of them get along fine and that's that's good like you can have the different sides i guess to the thoughts and what we believe these things but we're not going to like be at war with you because you believe a little bit differently but there are so many that are it's like well and they identify themselves that way. Like, I am Baptist, I am Methodist, I am Lutheran, right? Like, instead of just being like, I'm a Christian, we believe in God, and that he saved us, he sent his son to save us, we can have some discussions on these other things, right? I was uh, having to do some pre-check-in for a surgery for one of the kids, like, a year or two ago. And they have on there, like, what's your religion? I'm assuming, like, if things go wrong with the surgery. Um, but... They're like, what's your religion? And I said, Protestant, because, like, that's just basically not Catholic, right? Um, but that encompasses a lot of denominations, which most of which we agree with pretty pretty well, you know? It's not like Protestant. She's like, P-R, oh, can I just write Christian? <laughs> I'm like, yes, that's fine. <laughs> it, was, it was amusing to me. But um, I do... Like, at least bringing it up to the level of Protestant as opposed to E-free or um, Methodist or Baptist or whatever. Like, all the different yep. 
all the different things because when you look across all the denominations, a lot of them really do have a lot of the same beliefs. Like we've gone to different denominations of churches and been like, yeah, we agree with a lot of that. And then our church, um, some of the stuff that they like in action, it doesn't necessarily line up with others of the same denomination necessarily because our last two churches are very different and they're both the same denomination. Like, <laughs> Right. And so. honestly, like, and like even the church we go to, like they'll preach certain things that based like it's not necessarily the, the, the basis of their preaching or teaching or whatever, but like some of the things they'll say or um whatever do go against things that like what I believe. Like I don't necessarily align my like I don't agree with everything that's stated, right? Yeah. Or like that that the church might even take its stance on, like like this is what we think. It's like, okay, well I don't think that, but like that doesn't mean we can't work together and still be together and worship together right like yeah because they're not the salvation issues yeah the hardest part is when they when anyone tries to push their thoughts about it so hard that they almost make it a gospel issue they would say that they're not and yet at the same time they basically say well if you don't do it this way you're not honoring god because i've seen how it works out that way and i'm like yeah that's a problem that's an interesting way to interpret that thanks for saying that goodbye <laughs> yeah i have an issue with that and like and i do struggle with like churches that are like well you have to follow these rules to be a member of this church and it's like but these aren't in the bible yeah these are these are added laws to protect the your walk which is kind of like the pharisees adding laws to protect the law i'm like please stop yeah. please please stop <laughs> yeah there's some churches that just do that like as a standard of practice for many years but like in 2020 there was so much animosity of like if you don't do this you're not really trusting god if you don't do this you're not really worshiping god if you don't do that you're not really obeying god like and it's across the board like on both sides i was hearing similar things um on different issues for even an example on that like you would have one person say well if you're uh getting vaccines and things like that you're not trusting god to take care of your health right or or if you're wearing masks, then you're not trusting people to like God to have control over the situation. So like you're on opposite sides, but you're both using the same argument for your side. Yeah, it's just it's like can't we like this is not a gospel issue, guys. How about we do what God's convicting us to do and take care of the people that God has called us to take care of, because people are going to feel loved or unwelcome no matter what you do. So maybe we're all just called to take care of different people. Absolutely. All right. Uh, Ruby, what do you have for the Jesus and Beelzebul section? Mine is Jesus frees a demonized man. Okay, and what verses does those cover? 22 to 32. Okay, similar to Big Mama's, I think. Not yours? No, mine's to 37, like Jade Fires. 22 to 37. Okay. Um, mine is, uh, what does God want my life to look like? To join him and not to be against him because when the pharisees are against god so much don't they get exhausted getting at him for every little thing like in this one where it says uh, but when the pharisees overheard what the people were saying they said he cast out demons by the power of satan the prince of demons like they think that up every single time or he could just believe in him because he's pretty wonderful yeah he is very wonderful, and he's doing amazing things. That's where he gets into the point. It's like, well, if I was doing that, then, you know, I would be divided, and our we would just crumble. Like, this makes no sense. <laughs> yeah. 
I like what you say about isn't that exhausting because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. Yeah. Yeah, I think that was the end of last chapter. Yep. So, I mean, he just said that just a little bit before this. So you're absolutely right. It is exhausting to oppose God. Yet we keep trying. Bunch of fools we are. Weak. Oh, I forgot you were wise. You don't ever try to oppose God or even your own parents? Isn't it exhausting? Yeah, that's what I thought. All right. All right. Rosella, what do you got for this section? Blasphemy. Blasphemy against the spirit? Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Against the Holy Spirit. All right. Blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. What do you got? Um, God can help us no matter what. You had that for another section. I think it might be helpful to you next time if you actually go off of the questions that you have in your notebook and write down what question you're asking from this and then write down your answer to it. Okay. I mean, you're not wrong, but we're trying to learn new things about God. Not just be like, okay, I read the Bible and I know this about God. We're trying to read the Bible and learn something new about what he has to tell us. It's hard. It is hard. But try working off the questions and that might help you, okay? Moving on, my next section is the sign of... Well, let's see. What Those that ended in 32, what's your next section cover? Only good trees bear good fruit. No, what does it cover? What verses? 32 to, or 33 to what? 37. 37. Okay, so then you guys go next. Um, What does God want my life to look like? And to bear, like, to show good fruit, like, I may be able to, or, like, I might be a kind person, just to say... But, like, to show kindness and stuff. So take what you believe in your heart and make it physical, visible. Show. Like, bear good fruit. Don't just have good fruit. Bear good fruit. I think I get what you're saying. I just, like, you're saying basically the same thing twice. But I understand what you mean, I think. (laughs) So, um, I've heard it described before that goodness is what's inside of you and kindness is the actions that come out of it. Is that kind of what you're saying? Yes. Hmm, I see. Okay. Because you could have good will towards someone, but then not act on it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's true. Okay. Yeah, and with um, with the fruit, if someone is doing something with kindness and patience and all those good things, you can kind of assume what their heart is like, right? But if they're not, or more personally, if we are not acting in those ways, we can go back to our heart and see what we're believing or just about God, and work through that to figure out what is wrong at the root, what's going on in our heart that is making us impatient or unkind. Why aren't we believing that God is taking care of us or all-sufficient because we're trying to fight for something that we shouldn't be fighting for? Mm-hmm. All right, Rosella. Oh, um, I wrote, do good and you will be good. So if I were to go out and put some beautiful red apples on... One of our little baby trees. Would Matt, that make the little baby tree big and strong? Mm-hmm. You know our little baby apple trees outside that don't really have any fruit coming off of them? Because they're tiny and weak. So if we tied some apples to it, would it make it big and strong and uh, a good apple tree? No. So do you think it maybe would work better in reverse order? If you're not doing good, try being good. <laughs> if you be good, then you will do good. Be good. Um, do good? Then. Yeah. And I can see an argument for both ways. Um, In the movie Fireproof, I love when he says that sometimes we have to guide our heart. So sometimes there is truth to we have to practice what we want to be before we actually become that thing. So I absolutely see that as valid. Again, it comes down to the heart issue, right? So like if you're doing 
good things because you want to do good things and you want to be a good person, then that's that's good. And then it will help train you and guide your heart. If you're doing it because you just want people to like you because it's a good thing, that's a wrong motive. And you're not going to really train yourself right there. Then you're doing harm. Well, not harm. Exactly. You're, you're not harming tying. them, but you're harming yourself. You're basically yeah. tying fruit, the apples to the baby trees because then it looks like they're growing super early. Yep. But th- they're not. They're just... They're just faking it. Yep, there's a there's a difference between faking it and trying. Um, one time I had the question like, well, if you don't feel the goodness and you're doing it anyways, like, isn't that being fake? Like, don't you want to be authentic and real and genuine? But um, we have our spirit, which is secure with Christ at all times, right? And then we have what the Bible calls our soul or our heart or our will or our mind. Like all of that is kind of in another category. And then we have our flesh, which is more like our sinful nature that always wants to fight for what we want and that sort of a thing. Um, so in that center ring where our will, emotion, heart, emo- or um, well, heart, emotion, um, soul, there we go, all those things live. Sometimes our will and emotions are divided against themselves, really. Um our emotions are saying, I don't feel like being kind. I don't feel like being patient. So if I'm patient or kind, I'm just going to be unauthentic, and that's not who I truly am, and that's just lying, right? But if you've determined with your will that you will obey God, whether you feel like it or not, then in that center ring where your mind, heart, soul, emotions all live, you're not being inauthentic. You're being true to your will instead of true to your emotions, which I would argue is the better way to go, right? I think the general point of what I'm trying to say is that you can be true to yourself without feeling like doing something at the time because you have determined in your will that you will obey and worship God even when it doesn't feel comfortable at the moment. Um, Your emotions are not your true you. They are a part of you, but that does not negate the trueness of your determination to do what God has said. Does that make sense? I think so, yeah. Okay. All right, well, then we will move on to... The sign of Jonah, which is 38 through 45 for me. Oh, same. All right, I'll start us off this time. Oh, yours goes through 45? Yes. Mine goes from 42, and then I've got demons, which is 43 through 45. Interesting. Okay. Uh, The queen of the south will rise at the judgment with this generation and condemn it, for she came from the ends of the earth to listen to Solomon's wisdom, and now something greater than Solomon is here. And my note is, Jesus has ultimate wisdom. So, like, we've we've heard about great wisdom and all this stuff, but Jesus has ultimate wisdom, because he's from God. After all, it was his father that bestowed wisdom unto Solomon. So where, where did Solomon's great wisdom come from? It was God. And so, like, people, great people, queens, and all that stuff came to Solomon to get that information. But who should they really be turning for information? God. 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 And Jesus. And Jesus is there, telling people things mm-hmm. and teaching them. That's where... So, like, if people were willing to go to Solomon, which, like, a lot of the people that studied the law and stuff would be like, hey, wait, like, Solomon was a great king. He had, like, he'd made mistakes, obviously, by the end. But, like, he had great wisdom. This is something that we see as a good thing. Well, Jesus is here. He's greater than that. Listen to him. Like, they didn't get to talk to Solomon themselves. They have Jesus, who's even better, there to talk to. And then they're arguing with him instead. So, yeah, that's, that's my note for that. Ruby? Oh, yes. The sign of Jonah. Um, who am I because of what God has done? 
um, a believer because he gives us the Bible with all um, a whole bunch of stories, like the signs, basically, to prove that he's real and that we should obey him. Because um, it mentions in here the sign of Jonah, like how he didn't obey God, didn't go well, but obeyed God, and it didn't go better. What do you think the sign of Jonah is? In the heart of the earth, he'll be dead for... Yeah, that's a prophecy of his death. I think it's interesting that he has one of these. Because like, there's a lot of times where it's like, oh, Jesus predicts his death. Jesus predicts his death the second time and the third time. But this is another prediction of his death. But it's not labeled as such. Mm. I just I just find it fascinating. It's like, he, he sneaks that in there right off the bat. It's like, nobody, nobody knows what he's talking about. And the only reason we do is because we have the whole story. Like, if we were in that, in that moment, it'd be like, what, is he going to go spelunking or what? It's like It makes me wonder, is the heart of the Earth, like... Like, does that actually pertain to planet Earth somehow? I don't know. It would be really interesting to see because the spiritual plane is, like, mind-blowingly different. We don't understand it, you know? But I just wonder if it does pertain to planet Earth. Is there, like, something to all the fire and brimstone down in the center of the Earth? So, you know, instead of her listening, she's been drawing stuff to her notebook. I'm listening. People can listen and color at the same time. I didn't really think they could. Just because you can. Have you seen my Bible? I didn't think you did that well during the podcast. During church. You have? That's yeah, where yeah. all those artwork comes from. She doesn't do it any other time. She doesn't have time to just sit there and draw on her book otherwise. She does the edges sometimes during the podcast. I've seen her do it. Yes, my, my Bible is covered in doodles for those listening. She's a doodler. I'm a doodler. <laughs> I mean... It's like a faux leather cover and it is almost completely covered. For Some... anybody who's familiar with Mr. Smith Goes to Town, that's what I was referencing. Mr. Smith goes to it's an old movie. <laughs> no, I mean, I'm just coloring. Sometimes when I'm listening to my dad read, playing a mindless game on my Kindle helps me pay attention. Yes, I play Candy Crush when I listen to my daily Bible. Yeah, it just for some reason it helps me focus. It does. Yeah, actually, growing up, my mom would read to us some Charles Dickens. Um. I want to say it was all over twist at the time that this happened, but like I forget what my brother was doing, but um, I was doing something like on the computer or whatever. But I was working on some stuff, or, and like it was even a little bit more involved than just simply like doodling. Like it did take some mental energy, but at the same time, she's like, "Are you guys even listening?" And then I like recounted everything she just read to us because I did absorb it, like I did hear it, like so. Like there is something to be said for different levels of and different minds and everything like that, that you can do certain things and still, like, pay attention. And yet, when I'm running, I cannot listen to audio. Right, we're all very wired differently. I can run to music, but to listen to an audiobook or even a radio drama, like... Which I do. I don't have a clue what they just said because I'm running, which, you know, is so mentally taxing. Right. (laughs) You know, with the swinging of the arms and the not tripping. I have that sometimes. I have things like that. Yeah, we're like, you can't do some things you can't multitask on some things but you can really like and it even helps sometimes to multitask to if for some reason it feels like when i'm having to be like more on the passive side of listening that i need like the mindless games don't actually work as well for me yeah i need something else that actually like engages my mind to at least some level so like for example at church most of the time i am also doing some daily reading that I'm supposed to be doing that day or whatever for my 
self mm-hmm. while listening to the sermon, which is I a different section. I just assumed you were like, the sermon is lame. I'm going to read my daily Bible. No! No, the sermons are great! <laughs> but, like, I just, I don't know what it is, but I need to, like, connect somewhere else as well to something. I don't know. But, like, after Christmas, I got my Kindle and I would play Block Puzzle while you read Lord of the Rings so much. And you're like, do you even know what I just did? I'm like, and then I would tell you everything you just read. And I'm like, yeah, I know. <sighs> or part of it that you just read. Yeah. I'm like, yeah, I definitely know. Let's see. Who else needs, uh, Jade Fire, did you talk about the sign of Jonah yet? Probably not. No. Okay. Alright, sign of Jonah. Where's my cue? Oh, there's my cue. Wait, I don't have a cue for this. I couldn't find a question and answer. I just wrote a note. Uh, my note is that I just I uh, just thought it was interesting that the spirit got mad. I think that's part of it. What spirit? Oh, 43. Oh, what about the section before that? Well, that's part of that section for us. Oh. <laughs> yeah, he like is like seeking comes out of man and then it goes through, seeks rest, does not find it. He arrives at a house unoccupied, swept clean and put in order. And so he's mad at that. And so he goes, gets more spirits, po- more powerful than him. It doesn't say that he's mad at it. it um, I, I, re- I read it as him being like, oh, this is wonderful. I'm going to go get more people to come live, well, more spirits to come and live here with me. I feel like more, I would think evil spirits would more like be mad at un- uh, or at clean places and I guess I'm thinking of Casper the Friendly Ghost the movie okay cause like they were mad that Casper was cleaning up oh you picture them as just like wanting chaos and destruction type of a thing uh-huh. it's interesting because I think that spirits actually like a place well it says looking for a place to rest they like to have a place to rest and a restful place is what they're essentially searching for right so if it's cleaned and put into order, that would be a restful place. It doesn't say exactly what the motivation is here, so like I'm not going to pitch yeah. up it and argue okay. with you on it. But we'll, we'll dig a little bit more into it when we get to that section for um, Big Mama and Ruby, because I have some questions about it myself. Okay, cool, cool. Okay, that, well, that's what I put down. All right. All right, Big Mama, what do you have for the uh, sign of Jonah? Um, I just had a note. I think that part of the earth was an interesting description of it. And uh, yeah, both well, both these sections for me, the sign of Jonah and an unclean spirit's return, are rather perplexing. Um, and although it doesn't speak directly to it, over in First Peter uh, 3, it says, for Christ, uh, starting in verse 18, For Christ also suffered for sins once for all, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring you to God. He was put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he also went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison, who in the past were disobedient when God patiently waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared. Um, and then it goes on. But it's interesting that um, when he was in the heart of the earth for three days, he went and made proclamation to the spirits in prison. What does proclamation mean? Um, proclaiming something. And then down in First Peter 4, 6, it says, For this reason, well, let me back up just a little bit. For there has already been enough time spent in doing what the Gentiles choose to do, carrying on in unrestrained behavior, evil desires, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and lawless idolatry. They are surprised that you don't join them in the same flood of wild living, and yet they slander you. They will give an account to the one who stands ready to judge the living and the dead. 
For this reason, the gospel was also preached to those who are now dead, so that although they might be judged in the flesh according to human standards, they might live in the spirit according to God's standards. So the gospel was preached to those who are already dead, and Jesus is the one who went and made the proclamation to the spirits. So it's just interesting. The spirits that were crazy um, passed away before Jesus came. He went and preached to them. Yeah. Yeah, that's good stuff. It's really like... I've heard that before, but like reading the verses that really like, okay, a lot of people have a lot of speculations off of this, but let's read what the verses actually say and then come back to this. And it just brings a little bit more light into the section for me, I guess, about being like, what was he doing in those three days and those three nights? And he was in the belly of the whale. He proclaiming was doing to some more work spirits. still. Yeah. He wasn't, he wasn't just resting. Yeah, he wasn't sleeping. Yeah, that's interesting because like, I always wonder like, how do the people who died before Jesus even existed, or, like, not existed, but, like, before Jesus was proclaimed, how did they go to heaven? And that might be one of the ways they hear the gospel. Yeah, people, one of the terminologies I hear is Abraham's bosom. It's like Abraham was holding them until Jesus came to preach to them, and then their fate was decided from there. But that's, like, speculation, so to speak. Like, that could be... Slightly inaccurate. We don't or really know fully what's going on, and but we at least have these verses that we know are true, and then we can try to formulate more truth around them from there. Yeah, the spiritual realm is still quite a big mystery to a lot of us. I liked because, um, like, I want to know where exactly we go when we die too. Like, do we fall asleep until Jesus' return? Are we instantly at Jesus' side? And like, the Bible isn't explicitly clear on that point a lot of people have very strong opinions on it (laughs) then that like if they want to have their strong opinions i don't really care um but i went to a sermon one time and the pastor's like a lot of people want to know this where do we actually go when we die like instantly and we're gonna talk about that and i was like sweet i'm gonna hear from this pastor and i trust him and his wisdom like this is this is gonna be good and he's like that would be the same as if you were going on like amazing tropical vacation with an all-inclusive resort and amazing excursions every single day and you're asking what the layover airport in Colorado is like like nobody cares that's not where we're going (laughs) when we die between our death and when Jesus returns is such a small snippet of time compared to when the new heavens and the new earth come that it doesn't really matter all that much what we should be looking forward to is the new heavens and the new earth that are going to last forever. And the Bible has plenty to say about that time. So. Yeah. Well, and just a side thought there is like whether we're like you, you pitted two ideas in a way that are we instantly by his side? Uh, like two possible options, right? Instantly yeah. by side or are we going to sleep? And in my mind, like those aren't necessarily exclusive. Like sure. when you go to sleep and you wake up, it feels pretty instantaneous. Yes, especially when you're dog tired, like I was this week. Right, so like, yeah, you did go to sleep, <laughs> Unless you and yet you woke up. Right. Unless you have a dream, and then it feels like. Fr- but time is not registered the same at all. No. And it feels pretty instantaneous. So, so it could be both. Is all I'm saying. But anyway, so yeah, you started tapping into the what, the demon part from forty three to forty five. Do you have anything more to say on that? Um, I just don't fully understand it. <laughs> Me neither. So the unclean spirit comes out of a person, it roams, so like a demon, essentially, right? I would assume that's what an impure spirit 
that can leave a person would be. So it leaves a person, is looking for rest, and is like, okay, well, I'll just go back to where I was. And the house is vacant, swept, and put in order. And it's like, what I read is it's like, this is great. I'm going to go get the other spirits. Even more evil. Come on, let's go. And then that person's last condition is worse than first. That's how it will also be with this evil generation. And with generation, that can um, also just basically mean this evil human race um, for all of time. It doesn't mean like the next 40 years necessarily. Like when he says, I tell you the truth, uh, this generation will not pass away until all these things have come to pass. It's talking about this generation being the human race, not these people standing here and their children. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's the synopsis of it. But I don't know what it means returning it finds the house. Like, so you have the demon taken out of you and then you're able to get your mental health in order. And so it comes back and it's like, haha, now I have a mentally sound person to possess instead. This is great. I have some thoughts, but I would like to hear what Ruby has for this section first. Oh, what I have for it? Yep, because I know you have the separate section as well. Yeah, um, what does God want my life to look like? Um, not, so like when I'm cleansed, not to, from demons or just to repent or whatever, not to turn back and basically leave room for them to come again. That's what I was going to say about that too, like, not. What it seems like to me is the people with demons, it's just not fun to have a demon in you, so they want it out. And then I don't really care about Jesus. They're like, whatever. And so they just don't have demons, but they don't have the Holy Spirit either. So the demons come back and like, hey, this is open still. Let's go back. Yeah, and I think that is what it's saying. Like, you need the Holy Spirit to fill you so there's not room for those spirits to come back and settle. But, like, what's the alternative? I don't know. I guess you don't have to be demon-possessed if you don't have the Holy Spirit. So, first of all, we do make an assumption with the demons thing because it just says impure spirit, and that, and that gathers more. So it, it could be demons that they're referencing here, and that could also just be an analogy, too, while using demons as part of that. But my thought from this thing does align a little bit with what she said, and you seem to think that as well, Big Mama, um, is that what did Jesus do when he came, and what happens when he goes into the earth for those three days? He has died for everybody's sins. He has cleaned up the mess. He's put it in order. And if we choose to follow him, good. But we could also choose to just leave it empty. Like, everything has been swept and cleaned, and so now the demons come back, and like, sweet, we got this new situation where we... And it's worse because we could have been saved, we've had the message, we've had the gospel, and we still choose to blaspheme against it. Like, you can have your life pretty straight without having Jesus, so, like, the demons can come in and ruin that still. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, and that's kind of what I was thinking, like, picture someone who's, like, living in such a vagabond, messy way that they can't hardly cope with life, and then... If they were demon-possessed, the demon is removed, and they get their life straightened out, and now they are a nice little suburban family or whatever. (laughs) And then the demon comes back, and he's like, hey, this is great. Now I can really utilize this person. Yeah, I I don't even know if I see it as, like, a necessarily outward thing. Like, it could... It's all inside. That was just, like, an example. Sure, sure. I just... And I, again... It is a very complicated section, and I'm not saying I know what's going on here, but that's just the the what I seem to, especially with the other context of um, Jesus talking about his death and resurrection without really telling them what he's talking about. Um, it's just that, like, yeah, he did come to put things in order, 
And because we also just not that long ago went through what in last chapter, I think, about um, it's worse for Sodom and Gomorrah or not for Sodom and Gomorrah, but worse for these towns than it was for Sodom and Gomorrah. Because you have the information and I did put things back in order for you. And you were choosing oh, so to disregard be worse it because you because you were disregarding it okay. exactly. I can see that because, like, like if I don't give explicit instructions to the kids, I might have more grace for them if they don't follow them. Sure. Or do the standards, but if I did make something very clear and it's not followed, there's not a whole lot of room for. Or even like in a physical reality, whether it's like, hey, I haven't maintained my bedroom well it is now a disaster and i am overwhelmed by the fact that i need to clean it and you go up there and put it all in order and get it all squared away and then it's a disaster again <laughs> you know what i mean yes um all right moving on jesus mother and brothers is my last section for chapter 12 interesting mine says true relationships jesus is true family Jesus's mother and brothers. So yeah, the section's interesting just because it mentions, um, like he's talking to a crowd. They they bring up his mother and brothers uh, standing outside, um, which we have. My assumption is Mary, and then there are brother names listed at points in the Bible. Um, so biological brothers, you're saying? I would suggest that they are, but and I know there's some controversy and dis and uh, disagreements on whether he has biological brothers or not. Jesus may have biological brothers. I mean, it's most likely, if you ask me, since... Uh, it's mentioned a couple of times. It's mentioned more than once, but also, you know, it was typical of, you know, a husband and wife to produce more and more children throughout their time together. Huh. I did I did never think of that. There are that. some that would suggest that Mary remained a virgin her entire life, which also doesn't make a ton of sense since she got married, but... Because, like, is it probably Luke, but it's some gospel that says that Mary and Joseph refrained from having sex until Jesus until they was just say born. Until. That's in Matthew. And I've actually looked up the Greek word for that, and it does mean up to a point. It doesn't mean infinitely. Yeah. Matthew one twenty five. So, yeah. It's just, uh, it's interesting. But, like, um... So, they probably... She probably wasn't a virgin her whole life. I mean, maybe she didn't have more kids. But she probably wasn't a virgin. And we don't know how long Joseph lived or anything, because we don't hear about him during Jesus' adulthood. At least till he was 12. Right. We know he was around until 12. Life. That's true. And that's plenty of time to have more kids. You're you're correct. Um, we, I mean, our oldest is 13, and we've been busy little bees over here. We certainly have <laughs> Um So, yeah. No, chances are he had actual siblings, like biological siblings. But putting that aside, Jesus is even putting that idea aside. Like, whether he... Like, they are actual relations to him or not we, even not if it's just cousins it's issue. not a gospel issue because he's like hey who are my actual mother and brothers <laughs> right that's what he brings up it's whoever does the will of my father in heaven that's my brothers and sister and mother well mine uses sister i don't know if that's in the all translations or not it's in mine is it okay it doesn't Same. matter so my note there too is this is the family we want to be part of right and we get to like we want to be part of that family. There's so many times where it was like, oh, I would love to have that person as my parent or brother or sister or whatever because it just seems so nice and I love their family or whatever. But, like, this is a family we definitely want to be a part of and we get to be. And it's kind of cool because there's at least two different people that we're friends with that others in our life have assumed that we're related 
like biologically or adoptively or whatever. And to the point that one of them, someone was like, oh, yeah, that's like your cousin or something, right? No, we're not related. And the reply was, are you sure? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, Pretty sure. (laughs) But in the body of Christ, we can have many sisters and brothers. Yeah, it's nice. So even if you do have a really difficult family life, you know you can be part of a perfect family while living in this imperfect world. It's good to remember that, like, it's very common in the Midwest, like the saying in the middle, the TV show, where they're like, you do for family, like, no matter what, you're true to your family type of a thing. And then there's kind of the other side of the ditch where it's like, just because they're family doesn't mean anything, you know? Um, But if your biological or adoptive or whatever family is also your family in Christ, then they cannot be discounted because they are your brother or sister or mother or whatever in more than one sense and in the sense that truly matters. So you need to treat them as such. Absolutely. All right, Ruby, what do you have for this section? Well, it's kind of like yours. Where My thing is, who am I because of what God has done? welcomed we can all be a part of god's family if we want to yep that's pretty much what i said i love that beautifully said all right uh jade fire my question is what does god want your life to look like and my answer is that who that all who believe um are your family basically what you said i mean that's true but how does that change what your life should look like to like treat them as part of your family. Okay. And how do you treat as part of your family? Include them more, okay. maybe? Protect them. Yeah. And ultimately love them, which encompasses a lot of things. Give them grace. Yeah, giving them grace, yeah. Alright, we will move on to chapter 13. The parable of Jesus. The parable of the sower. Alright, why don't you start us off, Ruby? Okay, um... Mine is, what does God want my life to look like? He wants me to, um, when I grow up, to reproduce lots of seeds that it talks, it kind of talks about in here, like, the mustard seed reproduces lots of seeds or whatever, but, like, to help other people go to Jesus, basically, to show them the way to Jesus and that kind of thing. All right, Jade Fire. My next section is the parable of the sower. Um... What does God want your life to look like? And I put down, listen. Like, to listen more. Like, not only hear it, but actually do it type of You don't have it go in one ear and out the other. Where was where I actually got it? Verse 9? Yeah. Yep. Yep, verse 9. Whoever has ears, let them hear. I think what that verse is saying, that you should listen at the intent to understand. So that's kind of what you're talking about, or? I guess, yeah. So listening more to understand what people are saying instead of trying to just defend your own point, maybe? Yes. Again, that also means active listening and paying attention to what's going on. All right, Big Mama. What I take away from this is kind of cross-referenced with a parable in chapter 25, the parable of the talents, where one man gets a little bit of money, one gets a little bit more, and one gets a lot, and then they're judged on how they took care of that, and the one with ten talents got ten more, you know? Um, So... Not all of our ground is going to be the same. And some, in verse 8, it says, 
some 100, some 60, and some 30 times what was sown. So we're not all going to produce the same amount of fruit, but that is not stated with shame or anything here. It's about making the most of what you've been given and being diligent and um, proactive with that, not just burying it in the ground and letting it stay there. Because um, kind of <laughs> contrasting or comparing the talent parable with this, like he took the talents and buried him. One guy took the talents, buried him in the ground, and was like, here, at least I didn't lose any. He's like, um, thanks, <laughs> but no thanks. Gaming. Think of that with the seed. Be like, well, it didn't grow, but here's the seed back. Like, okay. <laughs> you know? It's, it's an interesting comparison for me. But if you do not feel like you are producing the same amount of fruit as someone else, maybe it's because you don't have the same soil or the same amount of talents, the same amount of money, I should say. Talents makes people think, like, skills. Maybe you don't have the same soil or the same skills or whatever that other people have been given. But are you being diligent and faithful with what you have been given is the more important question. And I think that's more what God is after. So... For me, I'm a little unsure about some of the stuff you said, just because maybe maybe I'm just not understanding right, but you're talking about how we don't all have the same soil when we want to be the good soil so that we can act. Because if we're not on the good soil, like then we burn up or are plucked up or gone. So that's where we want to be. So are you saying we're not all in that and yet we're still fine? Or are you saying that we're planting our own seeds? I'm saying that there's several levels of good soil. Uh. Like, even when you drive just through farmland, you can see like, oh yeah, that field's producing corn, whatever, you know? And it's like, wow, that hay field has had four crops come in this year. That's amazing. And then it's like, yeah, those soybeans are doing fine. And then it's like, wow, that one really produced the soybeans. And there's hardly any Asian beetles on it. <laughs> so there's good, there's... Lots of different kinds of good soil. Some of it is good soil with more nutrients. Some of it's good soil with more rocks. Like, But it all can grow stuff. It just sometimes, like the one field is maybe never going to produce as much as the field next to it, but maybe that's because it's not as fertile as the one next door, you know? Okay. So I guess it's just kind of like don't compare your fruit with other people's fruit, with other good soils' fruit. It doesn't mean that your soil is bad. It's just what you're doing with your good soil. Okay, I I, I think because yeah, because like sense. that I yeah that idea definitely follows the talents really well because it is more what that has going with the different amounts of talents, right? Yeah. But at the same time, like that, you're trying to get to the point of like if you're not producing as much as somebody else, that doesn't mean you're in the rocky ground. You're still in good soil. Yes. Okay. Okay. I got gotcha. you. I I get where you're coming from. Then okay. Yeah, because like some of your endeavors might wither up and dry away. That doesn't mean that you're bad soil. That means your endeavor was not what God had planned right now. And because like when you are growing up or whatever too, like if you're like, for example, a plant that also seeds or whatever, then your seeds are also going to end up in different places, right? Because ideally, you are also sending, like trying to produce more crops and seeds, right? Like to mm -hmm. grow other people into Christ or planting those seeds because you don't yeah. grow it, God does, right? Um, and that seed is going to land in different areas, too. <laughs> yeah, and some of it we're never going to know about. Well, we will eventually. Sure. So my thing, what I took out of here was more of just like a warning for myself, is that I just don't want to end up, and I think this is the easiest place for many of us, maybe. Maybe it's just me, I don't know. To end up as being the seed among the thorns mm. with all the distractions, right? That's all the distractions of life and stuff 
growing up and choking you out and stuff, which you think he relays later or whatever. But I don't want to be that, and that's the one I'm in most danger of being, I think. Like, I'm not... I have roots. Like, I have been studying more, all that stuff. Like, I got that going on, right? So I'm not in the rocks frying up. I'm not on the path being plucked away, but there are many weeds in our world that it could easily, like, choke me out or whatever, and I need to make sure that that's not the case. I would say I'm probably more prone to the rocky ground where it didn't have much soil. <laughs> it grew up quickly, and since the soil wasn't deep, the sun came up and it was scorched and it withered away. It does seem your style. Right? I'm like... Real gung ho at the beginning Charge! of things, and then no, I'm tired. <laughs> and then of my roots with yeah, 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 yeah. So it's important for me to keep persevering and to be that little dandelion that insists on growing in the cement. <laughs> so yeah, I guess my like thought, and this is probably my application then too, is just that like, I want to like continue to grow, so I grow beyond the weeds, and then just allow God to weed those out of my life, right? Like He will, He will let me know when those things need to be pulled out. <laughs> yeah. And what needs to be pulled out so that we don't get rid of the good stuff. Mm. No matter how painful it will be. Because I don't want to be stuck there. So that that's that is what I kind of took out of that. I mean, I've taken plenty of things out of that section before. But that's that was my main takeaway this time around. Alright, the parable of the weeds. Jade Fire. What I wrote down is that he, um, that he is like the uh, people who, or the man who sowed the good seed. Uh, like, God is the uh, farmer who sowed the good seed, and then the devil is the one who sowed the bad seed. Or the weeds, I guess. And uh, kind of like your last highlight, um, we need to grow ab- among the weeds. What does that look like in your life? What are the weeds? I can't really find any weeds in my life right now. I've kind of turned them into wheat, I guess? Like... You can't turn weeds into wheat. You gotta get rid of them and let the wheat grow yeah, up. Yeah, it mentions here that they're gonna they're gonna be pulled out and tied up together and burned. Yeah, we're on the oh, yeah. Okay. So this is the weeds here aren't actually things that necessarily in your life. Okay. Um. Okay. What what I meant is like, I met somebody who was like a kind of like a weed to me. Okay. And then I kind of like um. I let their wheat grow and their weed die. How did you do that? Cause it was the guy who kept uh, who kept calling me Clarence. Oh, someone who was picking on you, and then you became friends. Yeah. Okay. We're per- we're great friends now. That doesn't necessarily mean that he was a weed just based off of how he treated you, though. Because Christians can be real mean sometimes. Yeah. Do you know what the weeds are in this parable? I don't think so. So today. I wasn't. I didn't remember for sure either because I wrote a note not remembering, and then later on it gets explained. Because I I wrote that God is just and will take away the weeds. And then in parentheses I'm like, is the weeds sin or sinners? And then the rest enter into his glory. So like, once the weeds are gone, we get to rest in his glory. So whether that is sin being plucked out of our lives or sinners being tossed away to the fire, we get to enter his rest without our sin or without sinners. Um, And God has full confidence in victory. There's another note I had there because, like, it's it's spoken of very confidently. Like, this is what's going to happen. Like, because it hasn't happened yet, right? Right. Um, and later on, the explanation does let us know that it is uh, those that do not accept him that that are the weeds. Oh, that's okay. With that being said, did you have any notes in the previous sections that you have there, Big Mama? Since apparently oh. yours is split up more. I don't think so. I just like that it's reiterated at the end of um, 23, 13, 23. 
The one who has sown on the good ground, this is the one who hears and understands the word, who does produce fruit and yields some 100, some 60, some 30 times what was sown. So even Jesus is kind of directly saying there, Might good more, soil yeah. Has different, produces different yields. Yes. So. Yep. Yeah, that's very good. So. All right. Well, what about the parable of the weeds then that we were just discussing? Um, Just recognizing the fact that we do have to grow alongside weeds. And um, <laughs> like in this world, you will have trouble type of a thing. Um, one thing that has been recently like eye-opening to me, I guess, is just coping with uh, hardships, I guess, yeah. in, in this world. Um, and like I've already, I've always heard, you know, in this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. And then, of course, the ones that are like, if you suffer for sharing the gospel, you know, count that as credit to you, that sort of stuff. But just recognizing that sometimes you're going to do everything right. And people are going to be really, really mean to you. And that doesn't mean that God is unfair to you. Um, I think just having it um, confirmed to me that I've done, that I've treated a situation appropriately. It's like, okay, so I'm not suffering because I really messed up here. There's nothing I need to learn to do differently. I just need to accept that sometimes good people are still going to be mean to me, even when I did things right or or something like that, like that Christian brother or sister that doesn't accept an apology or mm. never comes to you for forgiveness or, yeah, just those sorts of things. Um, and that in, like, that's been eye-opening for me. And then also, like, I feel like the spirit really spoke to me one day because it's, like, if I say it, it's like, yeah, I've heard that a million times, but why was it different when I heard it this day? Like, I think it was just the spirit speaking to my spirit was um like sometimes in, in my case the example is church some people at church are never going to like you and they're always going to wish that you weren't there <laughs> and yeah. you're always going to be an inconvenience to them unfortunately but there are other people at church who are so glad to see you every sunday and who years from now if you fall out of touch with them or other people you that aren't even really on my radar they're going to think of me in years to come and go oh yeah i wonder whatever happened to her i really liked her you know there, yeah. there's going to be both of those so show up for the people that you are a blessing to and the people that you're a thorn in their side no matter what you do you're just a growing opportunity for them so true <laughs> so just keep trying to produce those fruits of the spirit and they're a growing and... opportunity for you yes <laughs> my stars but keep trying to produce those fruits of the spirit and um stumbling along and there is hope that those relationships will shift but even if they don't um you know which i've kind of diverged here it's talking about christians and non-christians and i brought it all into the christian circle but yeah but there's that too like there will be difficult things that you are going to have to grow alongside with and that's not strange it's not weird like like the meme that's like i just ruined my child's day by telling them for the 521st <laughs> night in a row that it's bedtime at 8 p.m right <laughs> like it's such a surprise to them right you know and they just fall apart because of it but that's kind of how we act as christians like god i did everything right why is this hard and he's like um, I think I mentioned that a few times. <laughs> you will have to grow alongside the weeds. You will have to bear with one another and love one another and forgive one another because I'm bearing with you, so I think you can bear with your siblings. So, I heard you twice mention that in this life, like specifically these words, in this life we'll have some trouble. Would you say that 
when you worry it would make a double. <laughs> Are you referencing Pokemon? This is not the Pokemon. No! <laughs> oh, I thought you were like, Every oh. life we have some trouble. When you worry, you make it double. Don't worry. What? Make it double. No, yeah. (laughs) That's what I thought you were referencing. No, because she said in life we have trouble. So, like, that was almost the entire (laughs) Team Rocket Blastoff of the Sea. This isn't Rooster's Boy. Surrender now or prepare to fight. Meow, that's right. Meow, that's flight. What? Flight. He says that in one of the episodes because they're on a something. Moving on, we still have a couple sections to go. So, the parable of the mustard seed and yeast. That's what mine is called. Big Mama. And just to clarify, this goes from 31 to 35 for me. Oh, you go down there. Um, well, I, when I see what Jesus says, um, so that what was spoken through the prophet might be fulfilled, I will open my mouth in parables. I will declare things kept in secret from the foundation of the world. It makes me think of, I think it's in Proverbs, where it says it's a king's honor to conceal a matter. Or no, wait, it's the Lord's honor to conceal a matter and a king's honor to search them out. A lot of the times we really want Jesus to just be really clear with us and to just tell us black and white, straight up, what's going on. Like, why are you being so cryptic? But, like, that's literally his character, is that he conceals things so that we come and seek them out. And he doesn't conceal them to keep them hidden. He conceals them for us to come and find them. I've heard it described before as like when a little kid walks in the room and they have their hand behind their back, you're like, um, what do you have? <laughs> Whereas if they just walk in the room holding something, you don't pay any attention to it. So it's it's kind of almost meant to pique our curiosity and make us go, wait, what do you have? And And put the energy in to seek it out. It's not to conceal it from us. It's for us to, yeah. That's interesting, because, I mean, like, that's what we like to do, right? Well, a lot of people do with all kinds of different sorts of puzzles, right? Yeah. Um, like, they don't give you the answer, because you, you want to solve it. Yeah. You don't want to just, you don't want just the answer in your face. It's boring. Yeah. It's just reading a textbook, then. Um, and even, like, just recently, we did a scavenger hunt. Would it have been as fun if we just gave you the thing and didn't have a scavenger hunt, Jadefire? No. 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 The scavenger hunt was the fun part, right? And the reward is good, but like you want to, you want to. There's frustration and struggle along the way, sure. Thorns. They have lots lots of thorns. thorns. Wait, that's your fault. Many. You took some weird routes, man. There was so many biblical applications from watching you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Like you're standing over in the bushes, like why did you make this so hard? And I'm like, if you were to stand in the clearing and look for a second, you would literally see the box. For the end of the treasure hunt, from where I'm standing. Yep, we were just standing there looking at it. But you were all off in the briars, like complaining about how hard we made it, and we're standing there in a clearing, and we're like, "Yes, we made this so hard." <laughs> yes. <laughs> but it was not obvious. But if you had just paused for a moment and took in things in, or paid attention to where we were standing, because Daddy and I were watching the whole thing. But after a while, I noticed you guys weren't paying any attention to where I was standing or walking or headed or anything. So, But if you had been, you'd be like, oh, hey, they're not following us into this briar patch. <laughs> Maybe the hidden treasure isn't over here. Or even just to think, they had to hide this treasure. Would they have chosen? <laughs> to go through a big old briar patch to go hide it. Because, like, we st- you went back and forth out of that woods area. You went in, went out, went in, and... 
both times we went in, I stood in the same spot because I could see the treasure from there. And especially the second time, I know your mom and I, and I can't remember if Ruby came back in, we all just kind of stood there where we could see the treasure from where we stood. So, like, it just made me think about how, like, what is our father doing? Like, we need to get out of the briars and be like, wait, Lord, where are you? (laughs) What are you looking at? And what am I missing while I'm over here? And, um... And there were more briars. I just thought you guys were clothes. standing there because wasn't, there wasn't a bunch of weeds and everything there. That's, that's I, I know. Like, I get that that's what you're saying. But I think of the spiritual application where we aren't always looking to God and we're wandering through a briar patch wondering why... And not that we would have told you why we were standing there, but, like, we can ask God. It's like, why are you over there? What are you looking at? And he will gladly help us see it. <laughs> um, I highlighted right before the, the prophet... Uh, words, which is, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. And I just, I know we've already commented before how we just love his parables and analogies, and that he also explains them. Um, But I just like that he uses these pictures to explain things so that we can understand it. Um, And just that creation itself, and even our own desires, the things we find ourselves like, the deep desires of what we want, like acceptance and companionship and those like those like deep-seated desires like humanity feels all those things paint a picture and point us back to god his own creation points to it because it all reflects what he does and how he does things and our desires because we were created in his likeness and image right reflect what he wants like he's the answer to those things and we seek him in other places instead of him but he's the answer (laughs) it all points back to him what do you got for it jade fire my question is what does your god want your life to look like and my answer for that is um that even the smallest thing can make like a big big change Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes yeah we don't even realize just even our own little actions and everything they affect around us we can see some of the effects most of the time but we don't know all the effects and especially for like this applies to all of us until we die for sure especially in the spiritual realm but as you Like, I can say now that I foresee the effects of things a lot more often, but, like, sometimes I will tell you guys, you know, do this, don't do that, blah, 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 and you might think, well, this one's not a big deal, and sometimes it's not a big deal, and then you'll think, well, mom said this, but that's not a big deal, and then it is a big deal, like, testing to see if you can cut the sink pipe with a knife. (laughs) Might not seem like a big deal at the moment, right? But did it end up being a big deal for our family for several days until it got replaced. (laughs) Yes, it was extraordinarily inconvenient. So it's important. Like, that's important, sure. But how much more important is it for us to trust God on spiritual matters when he says something not to be like, oh, well, he didn't really mean that, you know? We don't always know what's going to actually be a big deal. So So maybe we should trust the real big deal on what's going to be a big deal. (laughs) Yeah, because not everything... Always seems like a big deal at the moment, and then you find out, oh, that really was a big deal. I should have listened to God. All right, our last section for this week, the parable of the weeds explained. Yay, I like explanations. So, like, it was nice to have that explained since I, like, couldn't remember the explanation when I just read that section one day, even though I'd read through all this before, and that it is sin, or it's not just sin that he's, that he's talking about with the weeds. Um... But the big takeaway here for me is just that God will reveal truth to us and help us to understand it. 
we seek him out, seek out those answers, he will tell us. He will give that information. I know we kind of already covered that, but like, that's because that's just the natural flow of our conversation. But that was my note here. Jadefire? I also wrote listen for this as well. What does God want your life to look like? Listen. I would argue not just listen, but actually seek out that information. Mm Because they asked him, please explain this to us. Yep. Which means humbling yourself and not thinking you just have all the answers. Big mom. Make Um, it good, you're wrapping us up. I... (laughs) I also like from that same verse, then the righteous will shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. Let anyone who has ears listen. So the wheat is growing alongside these weeds and everything. But it's not until then that they shine like the sun in their father's kingdom. The wheat hasn't changed what they're doing, but their circumstances have changed. So that makes me think about how God has been looking at that wheat all along. He sees that it's shining like the sun in its circumstance, you know, shining as much as it can for where it's at. Um, And then once the weeds are gone, then they truly do shine so that all can see it. And it helps me to realize that those fruits of the Spirit might not always be apparent. They might not always be recognized or appreciated, or people might even accuse you of not having them. But your Father sees what you're doing, and... He knows what the end result is going to be, and he looks at us in light of that. And that's that's really comforting because sometimes it really feels like you're flailing or floundering, especially when fellow Christians like to accuse you of such. But God sees your heart, and God knows where you're headed, and that's really encouraging for me. That's really good. All right, application. I kind of shared mine already, and that's just being... Where and seeking God's answers on the weeds growing up in my life and that's not the weeds that we're referencing here in the parable of the weeds but the parable of the soil and the thorns of this life the worries and things of this life that can choke out my growth my application is uh, something Big Mama said earlier I don't remember when I just wrote it down but to have patience and that you'll not get everything right away like to just take a minute and realize you're not going to get something right away. You know what that includes? What? Answers. So many times we ask God things and he doesn't answer us right away. And so many times you even ask things and want to know things and don't get those answers right away from mortal people. Good, There's good so test many of patience. things in the Bible that talks about like like the, the farmer is patient for the crops to come up in the springtime. And it can be so hard when you're like, but I don't know if I planted them right. I don't know if I'm watering them right. Like, am I going to get that harvest in the future? And like... Personally, I can attest from homeschooling, like, I was so stressed out trying to teach the oldest how to read that I was failing, like, miserably. Like, I'm pretty sure I cried every night for, like, two weeks after school. But then I was like, oh, they do eventually catch on. And now I'm at the point where I'm like, I mean, yeah, we have to keep working at it, but they're going to get it. Like, it's fine. It's fine. Because I just trust the process. And so much of the Bible, it talks about, like, trusting the process and keeping your eyes on Jesus because... Just keep trusting him and striving for him and seeking him, and it will you will shine like the sun. Yeah, I had because I, I helped with some of the teaching and the reading and stuff on occasion. You did a lot more of it than I did, but um, just this is interesting with the different reactions because yours was to cry about it, and I'm like, I want to just hit this over your head until you absorb it into your brain. I'm so <laughs> frustrated. This isn't hard. <laughs> when you said the oldest, were you talking about me? Yes. I was on the treadmill one day doing my running or whatever I did every day at that point. And you came in and you're like, Mom, the word skateboard, it goes skateboard. So it starts with an S. And I was like, 
glory, hallelujah, you actually learned something. <laughs> From then on, I knew I knew we were going to be okay. <laughs> yes, you learned, you figured out for some reason while you were off playing that skateboard started with s- so therefore, if you were going to write that word, you'd write an S to start it. <laughs> I was like, oh, I'm not going to fail him completely. If nothing else, you'll know what skateboard starts with. <laughs> That'll get him through life. <laughs> now look at him. He's reading the New Testament. This is true. I remember reading being fun most of the time and pretty easy. Once you could do it. Jadefire and Rosilla, what are your applications? My application is to grow in god more like just to grow in him more what steps could you take to help that growth um trying to actually read my bible every day like even if there's like something going on that day like halloween or mm-hmm. yeah that's a good one that is a very good one and then also just trying to understand it more right so like follow the questions that you've been given ask more questions of those around you so that you can pull more out of it than just some of the more generic stuff. I know you're younger, so like I, we have some grace there, but like you don't want to just repeat answers or things you already know about God necessarily. We want to learn new things about him. Yeah. Yeah. Jade Fire? To listen. My application is to listen and obey. And I like seek. your applications. Last week it was not arguing. This week is listening and obeying. We've got some good stuff going on here. And we definitely have plenty of room to remind you to listen and obey. And I have to give it to his credit this week. At one point, he was not following through on his application. <laughs> and all I had to say was, are you arguing? And he was like, he closed his lips and went home and did what he was supposed to do. <laughs> so you're growing. Good. You're following through on your application. It's not mean it's going to be perfect all the time. You're going to stumble. And Big Mama, what do you got? So, like, it talks about being the good soil. And um, elsewhere, you know, it says, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Like, it doesn't say anything about how you become the good soil or the bad soil or whatever in 13. Basically, a lot of it just comes down to asking these things of God. So that is one thing that I have been praying, and I want to pray more because he is faithful to answer. There was one night when I was working on my um, homework for a class at church, and I was like, it just seems so obvious that, like, logically, you can look at the commands of the Bible and be like, yes, if I lived this way, my life would be better. If I followed Jesus and loved Jesus, his yoke is easy, his burden is light. Who wouldn't like a light, easy burden that produces a hundredfold fruit? Like, that's what we all want, right? But we can't get there on our own. So, like, I was just sincerely praying, like, Lord, change my heart. And there was a couple weeks prior to that when um, going through my homework for that same class. I was like, okay, so I'm working through this little chart that they have us do and actually has to do with fruit to root. Um, What fruit is in your life and what does that say about the roots in your heart? And I was like, okay, so if I look at the fruit and I work it back to my root, like my sin, I don't remember what it was, disbelief or something else. I don't remember. But I was like... God, I don't really get how this is a sin. Like, it's a fault of mine, I guess. But, like, I I don't see how it's an intentional sin. Of Like, I repented it. I don't want to live this way. But can you show me how it's a sin? Because I don't really feel that, like, mournful over this at the moment. Like, I don't get it. And so I sincerely prayed, like, can you show me how this is a sin? And it was at, like, the next class or the class the week after that it was like, so you know how you've been struggling with this for, like, three years? Well here's what you've been believing about me that's a lie. And I'm like, oh, wow. 
well, that, that would be sinful to believe that about you. Yes, because that's not true to your character, Lord. <laughs> so it was like, it was, that's when I had my eye-opening moment about God being good and fair, no matter how the world and other Christians are acting or behaving. And so, yeah, if you ask God to show you stuff with a sincere heart, he's going to show you that. And if you ask him for better soil and better fruit with a sincere heart, he's going to do that as well. So just asking him for what I want with the sincerity and the soberness of mind behind it as well. Hopefully that's not too nebulous. All right. Um, well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you want, uh, yeah, you can find us on Spotify and Apple and YouTube um, at Hunterfield Manor. Uh, and if you want to get a hold of us, you can leave comments and stuff there, or you can email us at hunterfieldmanor at gmail.com. Yeah. Also, so you listeners know, this will be our last episode before the holiday season. Um, we'll pick up again, uh, I believe, January 8th. Um, so, yeah, uh, you can look forward to catching us again there. Uh, but we'll be taking a couple-week break as we enjoy the holidays together. And now I believe it is Jade Fire's turn to close us out. Dear Lord, um, please help me to listen and obey and seek out information if I don't fully understand it. And help everybody else with their applications, too. In your son Jesus' name, amen. Amen. amen.